Hello and welcome to the Poetry Exchange. I'm Michael Schaefer. And I'm Fiona Bennett. We're joined this evening by the police helicopters who are uh, there for the Extinction Rebellion, we think. We do indeed, I imagine. If you can hear things in the background, that's what it is. Um, We've had September off and lots has happened in that time, Fee, for us, Um, not just in the world at large. We're really, really pleased to be able to say that we have been given our funding from the Arts Council. That means that we can continue to share poems with friends with you for the foreseeable future. Uh, And the other big news, do you want to tell people, Fee? And we are now formally, or we have rather formally, charitable status. That's correct. So that's just fantastic too. Lots of things involved in us making sure those two things happened, really critical for us to do that. To be able to actually plan a phase of activity Mm. which involves people coming and finding us in libraries and festivals and so on in different locations. So all that that goes into us getting to the point of having something to share with you on the podcast is a lot of a lot of activity and that needs support and it needs help and those formal structures of support and funding and validation around us so it actually feels fantastic not just to be the two of us in a shoe cupboard with a with a bit of an idea <laughs> so michael what have you been up to september uh well i'm saying what have you been up to i know what you've been up to i came to see you at the Old Vic in that extraordinary play by Lucy Preble. That's right. I was in a play called A Very Expensive Poison. It was about the murder of Alexander Litvinenko. As you say, by Lucy Preble, directed by John Crowley. It was terrific. It was only a short run. We only did four weeks. But it was a big, bold, new play. And uh, it seemed to go really well. Uh, it was very well received. And thank you for coming to see it. Um, had a few poetry exchange friends come along. And, yeah, it was terrific. So much to say about it, Michael. It was absolutely brilliant. I really enjoyed the production. It was very, very rich on lots of levels. Brilliant design, fantastic company, really well-researched and brilliantly produced piece of work. It was just terrific. Thanks, Faye. I must just say a quick thanks to those of you that have got in touch to let us know how much you enjoyed the live recording that we did, the the one at Latitude with Hannah-Jane Walker and Nadine Shah. Um, having discovered a format for it and, uh, and that we can do it, we are planning on doing some more uh, and we'll let you know when they're going to be happening and if they're in a venue near you, it would be great if you came along to support us. So the other thing that was going on in September was the London Podcast Festival. And indeed, this month's episode comes from some conversations that took place there Uh, It was Al and Andrea from our team who were able to be at the festival and meet, I think, seven or eight people Mm. uh, while they were there. And fantastic for the Poetry Exchange to be part of the London Podcast Festival, which is obviously celebrating all things podcast. uh, And for us to be in and among the other conversations and the listening and the audio celebration space. So you'll be listening to Al and Andrea talking about De Seda by H.G. Hookstra, the poem that's been a friend to a leader. Shall I give you... I this morning ruffled up an English translation which I already feel critical of, a day ago. 
Thank you. So you did the translation? Yeah, I did it this morning. Oh, great. Okay. I Wonderful. Can we hear you read it? Gladly. Ik heb een ceder in mijn tuin geplant. Gij kunt hem zien. Je schijnt het niet te willen. Een binnenplaats meesmaalt je. Sintels, schillen en schimmel die een blinde muur aanrandt. Er is geen boom, alleen een grauwe wand. Hij is er, zeg ik. En mijn stem gaat trillen. Ik heb een ceder in mijn tuin geplant. Je kunt hem zien. Je schijnt het niet te willen. Ik wijs naar buiten, waar zijn ranke, prille stam in het herfstlicht staat. Onaangerand. Niet te benaderen voor noodlotschrillen. Geen macht ter wereld kan het droombeeld drillen. Ik heb een ceder in mijn tuin geplant. I have planted a cedar in my garden soil. You too could see it, but it seems you don't want to. A yard, you snigger. Slags and rot. There's mold that festers on the blinding wall. There is no tree. A drab divider. Nothing more. It is there, I say, and my voice now trembles. You too could see it, but it seems you don't want to. I point outside, where its slender, tender trunk stands in radiant autumn's glow, untouched and way beyond doom's fickle tricks. No worldly force can erode this vision. I have planted a cedar in my garden's soil. Wonderful, thank you. Beautiful, beautiful reading too. Mm. I loved hearing it in Dutch too. Well, the, the, one of the first questions we often ask is, is when did you first come across this friend? Um, I must have been around 13. Okay. When at school we could choose our diaries and I had just, my parents had just moved to a new town where I wasn't that happy and um, there was the possibility of buying a diary in the bookshop that had a poem for every week and my family and my grandparents, we loved poetry and I thought what a wonderful thing this would be and so one week this poem appeared and I thought it held something quite amazing. Um, it spoke to the, I would say at that point, somewhat lonesome and somewhat bullied teenager in me, yeah. um, which made sense of, but there are better times ahead, that kind of feeling that you can have as a teenager. And the important thing is here, um, the poet uses hey for, um, the, to address the other mm. and the the word gij is old Dutch mm -hmm. but in the part of the Netherlands that I'd come from we spoke I came from the south and we moved to the north and I spoke with a southern Dutch accent which means I spoke with a soft G so and where we didn't say 
jij, of zij, of hij, wie zegt jij? En jij is, in Engels het zou zijn alsof ik zou zeggen thou en thee. So you have to imagine that right. that makes you rather weird amongst a group of 13 year olds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, uh, hast, thou, hast thou got some coffee for me? <laughs> and you go like, <laughs> and uh, that, was, that was also an important bit that, he, that the poet used a language that I had been familiar with. Who is the poet? The thou and the thou, no, who's well, the, who, is, who is a, that a, person being a, spoken you, to? You may have recognized in the poem, the voice of the you is a very dismissive voice. Mm, yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. It's a, a it's, yard, you snigger, slags and rot. There's mold that festers on the blinding wall. There is no tree, a drab divider, nothing more. I mean, there are, they, that voice, that, that other, is very mm -hmm. disdainful and yet has a, quite a prominent sort of position in the poem. Well, the poem was written in 1943 mm. when the Netherlands was occupied oh. by the Germans. I didn't know that at the time. But I learned at a later stage in my life that it had been written in 1943 and it was part of the, um, what you might call the Dutch underground literary movement. Mm. Um, the German occupiers had forbidden meetings of literary circles. Mm. And Han Hoekstra, the poet, had started to write children's poems. And this posed as a children's poem because of its easy rhythm and easy rhyming. Right, right. And so it had an appearance of innocence, um, but it was read and circulated within the um, underground literary, literary nice. circles, and it wasn't published until 1946. There's also an interesting juxtaposition between the poem that says, um, whatever happens, uh, my imagination, my vision, you cannot kill. Mm -hmm. And you could share it if you wanted to. Um, and what you say and how you force your interpretation of reality upon me, um, my imagination will carry on also. It will acknowledge it, but it won't be raped by it, because the Dutch word also means raped, oh. which I... I initially, this morning, briefly, I, I put down unraped rather than untouched. But I didn't, I, I wasn't sure, so I left it as untouched, because in English, touched can also have that kind of multiple mm. meaning. But wow, this is a poem that just keeps giving. It's fascinating, and yet, at the heart of it, is, the, is, is, is this, have you, Alida, feeling, were you saying you felt um, slightly bullied? I was, uh, yeah. Oppressed? Mm. Yeah. And we can quite see um, yeah. how it's um, how yeah, it that, speaks. That in another was my context. first encounter. And to tell you the truth, when I was in my twenties, I didn't think that much of it as a poem. Mm. Other poems spoke more. What's the right word? They seem to paint with a broader brush, mm. and so it um, it went a little bit to a dark corner. What is the cedar? What is that tree? And why a cedar? I don't know which religion, religious faith Hoekstra belonged to, 
but there is this very strong association for the Dutch. I don't think there are many theatres in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. um, it would be Theatres of Lebanon, and it would be the Song of Songs. Oh. So it's the Song of Songs that, and, and therefore lust and love and right. beauty and poetry would all be in there out, automatically associated. And anti-moths, of course. Yeah. No, no moths and moths in the old Dutch house That's would right. not be a great thing. You put the cedars, so you the, chips and... So you have sex so and moths in <laughs> one breath. <laughs> <laughs> in one great breath. combination. <laughs> anyway. Well, mm -hmm. I want to go back, I mean, to, to when you were 11, yes. what did the cedar mean to you then, that first time you I approached the cedar? Long, 13. Or 13, long 13. before you It knew. would have mean, it would have been the cedar of Lebanon, but it's it would also have been the cedar as tree. I yeah. was quite an environmentalist from an early age, so I would have known what the cedar looked like and probably what the cedar smelled like from having been in an... Uh, Hortus, Hortus Botanicus. So, mm. yeah, the smell, the, the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. With you as you are yes. reading that. Yeah. yeah. So, was your connection, Alida, partly because you were being bullied, but also this the importance of growing and nurturing things? What, I think it's what? more than that. Um, I have a deep love of trees, a profound love of trees, uh, and have had that all my life. Um, I suppose moving from a river landscape, Heather, then, and then this northern, northern Dutch landscape, that um, I, I took off on my bike from when I was about six, seven, and roamed. Uh, right to Rome was definitely a very important one to me. So I, the cedar, I, I suppose later, looking back on it, uh, psychotherapists would say, oh, it must have been a symbol of self. I don't think it was. I think for me, it really was a tree. And the juxtaposition was Binnenplatz. Huh? And Binnenplatz is um, interiority. And so it wasn't, I think my bully child was pretty feisty and found ways of coping with it. Didn't stop the bullies, but mm. there was something about the the function of art, the function of poetry, the function of having a vision, and where a vision for something better, something wider, something um, more nourishing that wouldn't be destroyed by any of this. It, that the the dark voice could try, but it wasn't going to succeed. Mm. And I think so. In a way, as through the years, the poem has also been a call to arms. Mm. Yeah. It's a call to arms to say, mm. yes, these voices are intimidating. <laughs> It's not, and that which is acknowledged in there in my voice is starting to tremble. You know, it's like I'm choking on my words, I'm nearly crying, but don't confuse the fact that I'm nearly crying with that I'm surrendering. Right, right. Don't really ever make that mistake. And I think it's a mistake very easily made. Yes. I love your translation. Point outside where it's slender, tender trunk yeah. stands in radiant autumn's glow. Slender, tender trunk. So it's not as if it's a 
stalwart tree that's been growing for 400 years, even a slender tree is not going to be moved. I can see it. You may say you can't see it, but it doesn't matter. I see it and that's what matters. And yeah. there's something really, yeah, sort of gives me um, <laughs> chills too. Does it? Um, yeah. I'm glad. But why trees? I think they're <laughs> extraordinary, all kinds of trees. Mm. Um, I enjoy the fact that they have a very big underground life, mm -hmm. that in the underground much is happening that uh, one can't necessarily see, but one can know about. I love the fact that if you, this is when I'm tiny, it's clear, very clear memories, sit underneath a tree and you look up, the world is very different from when you're outside of the embrace of a tree and you look up. Mm -hmm. So you can really change your world by having a relationship with a tree. You can, I mean, obviously you can touch it, you can lick it, you can smell it, you can make things with it, it's wood, it's mm. whatever, but above all it's forms and it's form for something that looks so well rooted. And the tiniest things at the top will move. Mm. It's, I mean, that never ceases to give me pleasure. Mm. <laughs> I mean, there can be a big wind and there's lots of sound. And there's this flexibility in its top, mm. but it's firmly rooted. Mm. And I think that's beautiful. I should also say in the Netherlands there are, and in Dutch, there are countless poems about trees. Mm. <laughs> it's virtually impossible <laughs> to have a poem without a tree. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, you, you first read this at 13, mm -hmm. and then just this week you were looking at it and translating it. What did you see, what is the significance to you now at this stage in your life? Well, as a European in Britain, I'm obviously deeply affected by Brexit. Yes. I've lived here for 40 years. I've, uh, I've been an academic. I helped set up and directed the arts therapies programs in this country. So worked in the NHS extensively and I've worked with people who are very poor and neglected in this country. And to find three years ago that from one day to the next, and it literally was from one day to the next, um, I was told that it was time to go home now, was tough. Yes. And it remains tough. Um, people either have been silent, have walked away at parties, at gatherings, it's been truly shocking. But above all, the repeated statement, time to go home now, when people, strangers, picked up my accent. And feeling that there was a relative silence from the Remainers. Mm. And when I picked this up yesterday to come to your question, and reminded myself that this had been a resistance poem, yeah. I thought back by how deeply comforted I felt by hearing stop the coup. And not so much the words, but the raw passion that was in there. And I felt, I realized that that's what I'd been missing these last three years, the raw passion of we also have a vision for this world. And by the way, I do understand why some communities voted leave. So there's, in that sense, no judgment in there. And so when I read this, 
And then I reminded myself the, of why it mattered to me, the fact that it fairly clearly and implicitly says the arts matter, well, that I've known all my life and that's my professional identity. But that sometimes you have to really defend and even speak and risk the ridicule of, but this is my vision. Mm -hmm. And you could join it if you wanted to, but you don't appear to, you're sniggering at it, you don't make an effort, you're smirking at me. Mm. I think that has been very much the spirit of the time. And that suddenly struck me last night. In the back of my mind was this poem, and I thought, yeah, it is a innocent-looking statement, mm -hmm. very innocent, that can be considered a private statement. I, me, will not let this go. But it's actually a public call to arms. Mm. And I, I thought that was neat. <laughs> I really thought that was neat. And in that sense, deeply encouraging. Can I just ask you as a final note to just sum up? If you were to describe this friend to somebody, how would you describe this particular friend? <laughs> I would say, it's a friend who would surprise other people. A friend they would have to get to know because they would meet him or her again and again in my presence and they could see that it was a very intimate relationship. But my, the other people wouldn't necessarily understand what brought those two people together. They dressed differently, they looked differently, they spoke differently. One used her arms a lot and the other was much more... <laughs> Quiet, but it. then so beautiful. over time they would see that this was an unbreakable bond that spoke, that went from heart to heart and soul to soul. The cedar. I have planted a cedar in my garden soil. You too could see it, but it seems you don't want to. A yard, you snigger. Slags and rot. There's mould that festers on the blinding wall. There is no tree. A drab divider, nothing more. It is there, I say. And my voice now trembles. You too could see it, but it seems you don't want to. I point outside, where its slender, tender trunk stands in radiant autumn's glow, untouched, and way beyond doom's fickle tricks. No worldly force can erode this vision. I have planted a cedar in my garden soil. That was Al with the gift reading at the end there. Our thanks to Alida for bringing us that conversation and indeed for bringing us that brilliant translation. It was just fantastic to hear for Michael and I who weren't there. Really exciting listening to the listening into the conversation and hearing the poem in Dutch and then that beautiful translation and the kind of journey with the words that Alida had been on. De Cedar is published by Merlinhoff Publishers, and we'll be putting details on the description page about H.G. Hoekstra. 
and indeed links for you to find out more about his work, specifically a link to the Netherlands Digital Literature Library, which I'm sure must be a fantastic place to go and visit. So as we said, it was fantastic to be at the London Podcast Festival. It was also brilliant uh, to be at King's Place, who I know from the team were fantastically, um, not just helpful, but actually wonderful hosts. And there is something uh, very special about going to a venue or a place to set up the exchanges and having people there really welcome us and our guests. So thanks to King's Place. So we've got quite a lot of events coming up the best way to find out what's going on is to go to the website and on the contact page you can subscribe to our newsletter that comes out once every quarter so you won't be deluged and it will just keep you abreast of everything that we're up to and if there are any events happening near you i also know that we've had a couple of fantastic online nominations recently Mm. so if you're not able to come and meet with us at one of the event live events but you'd like to be in touch and tell us about the poem that's been a friend to you do visit the nominate page Um, we've had some really powerful and moving and interesting suggestions of poems and reasons why those poems have acted as friends and we are gathering all of that in our catalogue so just a real encouragement to people to do that we'll be back with you next month with more poems as friends so until then thank you for listening (laughs) 